Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How are we doing today? We good? That was terrible. That was like a guy whose microphone fell off right before he took the stage. How are we doing today? We good? Hey, welcome today, and uh, you guys sounded fantastic, and you look fantastic, and uh, we had a great 915 service this morning, and we've had a bunch of folks to join us online today, so we're thankful for that, but we just never take it for granted when you choose to spend part of your Sunday with us here at Generations Church, so thanks for making us a part of your Sunday schedule today, and just really for prioritizing worship and the experience and the presence of God, and you heard a couple of things right there. I don't want to repeat them. I don't want to hit all of them, but I do want to say in two weeks, that committed series could be a game changer for some of us, uh, and so I encourage you to prioritize being here in two weeks. Now, that doesn't mean just skip next week. Next week will be good, too, so you need to be here next week, but be here for sure in two weeks. That committed series, in a, in a culture where loyalty is lacking, uh, being committed uh, is, is kind of a, it's a countercultural idea, but committed in our relationship with God, committed in our marriage, committed in the other aspects of our life, I believe that God honors that, and so I want you to be here all month long in February, and so that kicks off in two weeks, so make sure you're here. Uh, and then next Sunday night, that youth, uh, young adults night of worship at Pitch Tree Cafe is going to be awesome. You need to be there for that if you are 18 to 27. If you're not 18 to 27, they will kick you out. Um, I'm just kidding. They will not kick you. Well, they might kick you out. I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crash the party. It's going to be great. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we started uh, our series called Revival, and we kicked it off at the start of the year, first Sunday of the year, uh, and it coincided with the start of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, which ended yesterday. And really what we were trying to do was focus our heart and our attention at the beginning of this calendar year, just really seeking after all that God would have for us. What we say here is that God does not call us to perfection. He calls us to pursuit. And really, we wanted to prioritize in these 21 days and to kick off the start of 2021, more of a pursuit for uh, Christ in our lives. And so uh, we started the 20 21 days of prayer. We had uh, a chapter of the day and a time of prayer and worship every single day. And so we, we really enjoyed that time together. And some of you that were fasting, uh, maybe you didn't enjoy the fasting quite as much. And I get that because of the sacrifice uh, of that. But I believe God is honored by fasting and by prayer. Prayer connects us to God and fasting disconnects us from the world. And I believe that God is honored in that process. Well, then we started this revival series at the same time. And in week one, what we said is we said, according to the Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, that God desires to renew us, to breathe his breath into us, to give us more of his presence and his power in our lives. And so even those things that seem dead, God can uh, bring them back to life and do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Then in week two, we looked to Acts chapter two, and we talked about the fact that revival leads to repentance. And if it's not leading to repentance, it's really just a personal experience, but that revival should spill out of us into the relationships of our lives and that revival leads to Repentance. And then last week, Pastor Trevor used the book of Acts, really Acts 7, 8, and 9, to talk about the conversion experience of Saul, who eventually became Paul. And then he went to other places in the book of Acts to show this transformation. And he said that in revival seasons, that God repurposes our passions. And he takes those passions that we have in our lives and he repurposes them for his glory and for his honor. And so uh, each of those weeks, we were talking about some aspect of revival. And today, I want us to, to look at another aspect. I won't say the final, but of the four weeks that we're going to spend time looking at this. It's the final collection for us of looking at this other piece, and it centers around one big idea. So if you don't get anything else before you leave today, I want you to get this idea that you cannot move forward with God when you are still tethered to the past. 
You can't move forward with God while you're still tethered to the past. Now, I think that it's important to be rooted in some things. I'm not saying that you cut ties with everything that is behind you. I was, I was just in my office just a few minutes ago between services, and I was able to, to tune in on YouTube and watch my dad preach. My dad was my pastor growing up, and so I, I'm rooted in the investment that he and my mom made into my heart and my life and my relationship with Jesus. And then my aunt, uh, at the same time, she didn't know I was watching my dad. My aunt, uh, my dad's sister, she texted me about about a 30-second video of my 84-year-old grandfather preaching this morning in Gastonia, North Carolina. And so I was able to watch a little snippet of my grandfather preaching and my brother's preaching in Louisville, Kentucky right now. And I just tuned in and watched both of my uncles preach. And you're like, man, is it like the family business? It is. It's kind of like our version of the mafia. Um, but no, I'm so thankful for my past and I'm thankful for my heritage. And so I'm not saying you cut ties with everything, but I am saying that there are some things that are trying to hold you back as you chase and pursue God. Those things that are giving you kind of wind at your back and they're pushing you as you pursue Christ, those things are great. But those other things that are holding you back, they're trying to pull you back away from the things that you're pursuing in relationship with God. Those things are the things that I believe we should cut off because I believe that God desires for us to chase him into the future that he's destined and promised for us. And they can be a lot of things. Maybe your, your mind immediately went to addictions or ty some type of behavioral issues, and those are real, and those are things that uh, some people struggle with even in this room. And so those types of things, as you think about it, those are some of the things that I'm talking about that you got to let go of and ask God to bring freedom in that area so that you can chase and pursue your future. But even beyond those types of addictive behaviors or other behavioral issues, I'm talking about relationships. There are some relationships back there that are trying to hold you back. And immediately, some of us, we thought of a person, a, a mind flashed in, or a picture flashed into our mind of someone's face as we're thinking about a relationship that's trying to hold us back. Some choices and things that we continue to make over and over. Those things are holding us back. They're pulling us back. And as God is desiring for us to chase him into our future, I believe he wants more for us and something different for us than to be held back. I believe what God desires for us is freedom. In Galatians chapter five, we see this. It says in verse one, it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, when I say the word slavery, perhaps your mind goes to the narrative of American history where slavery was so prevalent. You might think of current realities in our world of, of human trafficking and slavery that still exists. Whatever image kind of goes into your mind, it is the idea that someone that's being held against their will or someone that's being utilized to benefit the owner or the person that's in charge rather than that individual. And so you think about the yoke of slavery that yoke is the idea. It's not the part of the egg. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that bonds them. It, it, it combines them together for the sake of the farmer, these animals that, that are being bound together to, to, to till the field or to do something. They're, they're being yoked together. They're, they might be punished in a yoke from time to time. And so we think of this, this yoke, this harness, something that's holding them in so that they can't run away. They can't run free. They can't do what they want to do. The yoke of slavery says, no, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Not so that he can get something from us. We're a slave to righteousness, Romans says, but we're not a slave to, to God so that he just gets us to do whatever he wants us to do. No, no, no. It's for freedom. Once you've been set free, it's just for freedom's sake that you've been set free, not so that you would fall back into the temptations and the yoke of slavery that would constantly keep us bound in our current reality. The, the writer here in Galatians 5 goes on in verse 13 to say this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were called to be free. And then you don't use that freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, you serve one another humbly in love. I was listening this past week on Wednesday 
to Garrett Snyder, who's on our staff, and he was, he was teaching that day from the chapter of the day as a part of our 21 days of prayer, and he, he did a great job, just a really great job. And as a part of that, he was talking about that he was fasting meat. And so I'm, I'm saying this publicly because he was telling as a part of a story, and so I'm not telling on him, but it was a hilarious story. And he's talking about he's fasting meat during the 21 days, and he said he could not wait to get to Saturday when the fast ended. He was going to a Mexican restaurant to get the biggest steak burrito he could find, Right? And I was thinking about, you know, like when you get a new something that you love, like I remember the first time I had the Southwestern chicken sandwich from Bistro C in Holly Springs. If you've never been there and somebody told me after the first service that I just totally messed up their life because now a bunch of people are going to go to their favorite restaurant. It's kind of their place, but I love it. The first time I ever bit into that sandwich, I was like, I got to tell the whole world. I went on Facebook and I just broadcast how amazing the sandwich was. All of the taste buds in my mouth just exploded. Are you hungry yet? You ready for lunch, right? All the taste. I was excited because I had experienced something new and I wanted other people to know about it. I remember the first time I got an iPhone. And do you remember, you know, pre-iPhone? You know, you remember it's like BC and AD with Jesus. Do you remember the pre-days before your life, before some type of smartphone? I remember I was calling all my friends on my new phone. I was like, you gotta get you one of these. Like all your music's on here and there's, that you can share pictures in a totally different way. And when they added FaceTime, you could see one another. It's like, we're almost the Jetsons. Finally, we're getting there, you know? And so I remember telling every, you gotta get one of these, I remember, you know, when I watch a show or I watch a movie and I, and I love it, I remember, I, I talk about all the time, like, hey, you got to watch the show. I was texting Pastor Trevor the other day, have you seen this movie? You got to go watch this movie. It's a great movie. You'll love it. Because when we experience something, we want other people to experience that. And what it's saying here in Galatians chapter five, is like, listen, once you've been set free, you're called to freedom. Once you've been set free, You don't use that freedom to then indulge in something. You use that freedom to serve others. You want others to experience the freedom that you've experienced. And and I know some of us, we can remember when we got saved. We remember when we experienced, when we had a revelation of Jesus Christ for the first time. And we know that back there in our past, there was some messed up stuff and messed up things in our story. And we experienced the grace and the mercy and the salvation of God through Jesus Christ and the cross. And it's like, man, we just, we wanted to shout it from the rooftops. We wanted everyone to know and to experience the freedom that we had experienced in Jesus Christ. I believe that's what God is desiring for all of us, that we would experience the kind of revival that is birthed in freedom in our lives. And so I want to take the remainder of our time together today, and I want to just look at two aspects of the things that hold us back so that if we identify those things, maybe it helps us to know, okay, that, that's something I wasn't even thinking about, or man, I for sure was thinking about that. How do I let that go and allow God to bring freedom into my life? Here's the first reality, I think, of some of those things that hold us back, and it's this, that little things become big things. Little things become big things. Almost every time, unless we deal with it when it's small, it eventually becomes big, And when you think about addiction and you think about those types of behaviors for sure, none of us would have ever started out by saying, hey, do you want to lose everything? Like if I could just destroy your life right now, if I could take everything you love and every relationship that you love and every possession that you have, if I could just rip it out of your hands, can I do that real quick? You'd be like, no. But it's a little decision that leads to another little decision that leads to another little decision. And little decision after little decision leads to bigger decisions until we find ourselves in a place where everything that we love has been ripped away from us because little things become big things. John Wesley said this. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And so perhaps... 
You can identify with that story in the generations of your family because you know the struggles that your parents or your grandparents or your aunts and uncles or whoever, the things that they just, they just kind of allowed to exist in their home or they, they made some of these small decisions and now you are wrestling in earnest with that type of thing because they started the process. They never dealt with their issues. They never dealt with those things and it's continued to progress and now it's a huge deal in your story. Or maybe you can identify personally. And you know there's some things that you should have dealt with a long time ago before you got married, before you had kids. And now you're watching your children struggle with some of those same things because you never dealt with it. If I could paraphrase the John Wesley or take it, take it even one step further, I would say this. What one generation does in moderation, the next does in excess. What one generation does in moderation, the next does in excess. It just takes it to the next extreme. It's like, well, I mean, I watched this in my parents. I watched this in our home. I watched this in my family and my friends. And, and so then it's like, well, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna embrace all of it. And little do we realize that little becomes big. And for us at Generations Church, we say that generations matters. And it's our job to deal with these things before the next generation has to take our problems on for themselves. They're gonna have their own set of issues. They don't need us to hand ours to them as well. And so it's our job now to deal with them. If you're a college student or a young adult, if you're single, I encourage you, deal with your junk now so that you don't carry it into marriage. If you're married but you don't have kids, deal with your issues now before you introduce children into your home and your environment. If your kids are small or your kids are older, it's never too late for you to start now and then to help them find freedom in the same areas that you've struggled with over and over again. One of my favorite stories from the Old Testament is a story that's found near the beginning of the book of Joshua. It comes off the heels of the book of Deuteronomy. We see that God's people have stepped out of captivity. Moses has led them in the wilderness, but Moses and an entire generation has to, has to go away because they, they were disobedient. They didn't trust God. And so Joshua's now in charge. And God says to Joshua, he says, don't be afraid. I'm gonna lead you into the promised land. And this goes all the way back to the promise that God made his people coming really after the story of Noah. As God began establishing his people through the promises to Father Abraham, he says, I'm gonna give you a promise and it's a promise that you'll be a people and you'll be in a place. I'll give you land. I'll give you a nation. I'll give you prosperity. You'll be favored and blessed in all the earth. And so generation after generation is holding on to the promise that God made to Father Abraham. And eventually Moses sets God's people free and then he is disobedient. So Joshua stepped into the lead and they walk into the promises of God, this land that flows with milk and honey. And early on in the days, Joshua chapter six, they encounter a battle at the city of Jericho. And Jericho is this fortified city. It's like one of the first tests, if not the first test, but for sure it's the largest test that they've experienced thus far. They have to take an entire nation of former slaves and turn them into soldiers and they got to figure out how do we get into Jericho and take this city that God has said is ours. And God gives them the worst military strategy in the history of mankind. He says, I want you to walk around the city and the walls of the city silent for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around six times in silence. And then on the seventh time, I want you to shout because God has given you the city. And it's like, no, he didn't. The walls are still up. I don't understand why he just said that. Did you go back and ask God again? Because that doesn't sound right to me. But that's exactly what happens. The walls fall down. They go in and they annihilate the city of Jericho as God has asked them to do. And so then Joshua says, okay, what do we do next? I guess now we're soldiers. We're fighting people. Let's go to the next city. And they go to this next little town. It's the town. This is very difficult pronunciation. It's the town of Ai. And I know that because it's spelled Ai. And so they go to the city of Ai. 
But Joshua's like, man, it's like a really small town, so I don't need to send all of my soldiers. I'll just send a few thousand. And they go to the city of Ai, and even though they found victory in Jericho, they are soundly defeated in Ai. And at the end of that battle, Joshua's asking God, he's like, why did you send us here? Why would you allow us to to be defeated? Why would you allow us to lose in battle in this small little town after we just experienced such great defeat? I mean, maybe we should have stayed in Egypt and enslaved. Like, why in the world would you bring us this far to let us lose? And God says, there's sin in the camp. There's something that I told you when you went into Jericho not to take any of the plunder for yourselves, don't to take, not, not to take anything that you find for yourself. There are other cities that are coming, and you can read that in the story yourself. There's other cities that are coming. You can take all the possessions. You can do anything that you want to. But in Jericho, I needed to know that you trusted me to be your provider, and I told you not to take anything, but there's sin in the camp. Somebody took something. And Joshua says, okay, well, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to root it out. So we're going to line up the entire nation of Israel out in front of me, and we're going to put them by tribe. We're going to go, okay, not that tribe, not that tribe, not that tribe, not that tribe, that tribe. All the other tribes, you can go home. They probably hung around just to see what was happening, right? And so they get that one tribe, and he says, okay, now we're going to take your entire tribe, and we're going to separate you by clan. Okay, not that clan, not that clan, not that clan, not that clan, that clan. Now, you got to think all the people in that clan are like, I didn't... Did I accident? Did something get stuck on the bottom of my foot? Did I take something I wasn't? I don't think I did anything. Maybe, maybe I, I don't think I. You get all of that group of people, and he says, "Okay, now we're going to separate you by family. Not that 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 family. That family." I think the story was a little different because all of us have people in our family. We're like, he probably stole something, right? <laughs> I mean, you're probably when when they pick your family, you're like, it's probably Aiken. I don't even know why we invite him to Christmas. Nobody likes him anyway. He's a little shady. So everybody's looking around, and sure enough, it's Achan. He took some stuff. In Jericho, he took a jacket, and he took some, some gold and silver, and he hid it under his tent, and he didn't tell anybody, and he thought he was going to get away with it. But God would not allow sin to go unpunished and disobedience to go unpunished. And what Achan had to learn that day is the same lesson that some of us have already learned, and others of us will if you haven't learned it yet. What you think you've hidden in the dark will eventually be exposed in the light. You cannot hide sin. God is just and he's holy and he's righteous and he will bring your sin to light. So the challenge for all of us to say, okay, we're definitely gonna have an awkward conversation at some point. Do I want it to be of my own doing where I initiate that conversation or do I wanna be blindsided when I don't even realize I was found out and someone else comes and initiates a conversation that I'm not ready for? And so what happens is Joshua has that conversation in front of the entire nation of Israel because Achan thought he had hidden his sin, but he didn't. And so Achan has to be punished. God is holy and just and righteous. And it's the part about God that we wish wasn't true, but he has to punish sin, and he did, and Achan had to die, and others with him. And then God says to Joshua, he says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Now I want you to go back and send the entire full force of your army to destroy Ai. And they do. There are some victories that you're seeking that you just can't figure. Why can't I beat this one little thing? Like, why can't I destroy AI? It's, I mean, like, I've, I've had some Jericho moments. I've had some big deals happen in my life. Like, why do I keep struggling with little things like AI? It's because there's sin in the camp. There's some hidden things under your tent that you've not dealt with and you think you're getting away with it and you think nobody knows and maybe right now nobody does, but I promise you, God is going to bring it to light at some point. 
And it could be that the victory you're seeking in Ai that you've experienced in Jericho is right on the other side. It's right on the other side of you exposing to the light what you've been hiding in the dark. You gotta get the sin out of the camp because little things always become big things unless you deal with them. Little things always become big things. So we don't play around with little things. We deal with them completely and immediately. I believe there are some things that are holding us back, some things that are keeping us bound, keeping us in bondage, and it's keeping us from freedom and living the victorious life that we desire to live in pursuit of Jesus Christ because we've just not completely and utterly destroyed and defeated it. We have been slightly obedient when God is asking for our full obedience. Here's the second reality about these types of things. You can't get free until you flee. I feel like Muhammad Ali right now. You can't get free until you flee. How many of you have ever been watching a movie or a TV show and you watch the hero of the story, the main character, and they're about to walk into a dangerous situation and you know the scene before, the bad guy's hiding in there with a gun. Like there's, like there's danger ahead and you are yelling at the screen. Don't go in there. No, you gotta stand there. No, run away. Flee, danger, danger, get away. I scream at my TV two times. When I'm watching movies like that, and when my favorite team's playing, I need the coach to hear me. I've got better strategy for both of those situations. So I'm yelling at the TV, like, no, run away. Get out of there. Flee. It's not worth it. And whoever thinks it's a good idea to split up in those, no, 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 stay together. There's strength in numbers. Stay. I'm yelling at the TV. I wish there were times in my life where I had some people that had been yelling into my ear, run away. What are you doing? There's danger ahead. What are you doing? Run away. And if you will allow me today to scream into your ear, you cannot get free unless you flee. James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, this says that he's the one who flees, but there's two parts to this that we have to engage And so often what I see in my own life and in the lives of people I'm walking with and discipleship and spiritual growth, there's two parts. They want to know what is the formula for success and victory in life and relationship with Jesus Christ? Like what are the, the, what's A plus B equals C? Like how do I get there? How do I get all that God has for me? Well, James really spells it out here. James is often referred to as the New Testament version of Proverbs. It's, It's these short truths and these things that you can take and just apply. So you submit to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee. Tell me if this sounds familiar to your story. I know it does to mine. There are times when I say I'm submitted to God and maybe I'm actually trying to submit to God, but resisting the devil, like I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm submitting, I'm pursuing God. I'm trying to chase after God. There's, but I'm still holding on to enough of what the devil has convinced me is not harmful. It's not actually dangerous. It's not gonna cost me as much as I think it might cost. No, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hold, God, I'm submitted to you except for this little part over here. I'm not resisting the devil. I'm just keeping the devil close enough that if I wanna, I can. Others of us at different times, we've resisted the devil. We wanna be a good moral person. We wanna make good decisions. And so we've resisted and we've moved away from those types of decisions and behaviors and relationships but we've not submitted ourselves to God. 
We've not said, God, you have all of my heart and all of my life, everything that I am. It's like, no, I'm, that sounds like I'm giving up control and I'm kind of a control freak. I don't think I could do that. Now, what James says right here is he says, if you will submit yourselves to God and you will resist the devil, you're going to find freedom because he will flee from you. You don't have to stay as close to the line because you know, like I'm chasing after God with all of my heart and I'm letting go of all those things that are behind me and he's not chasing me. I'm submitting to God. I'm resisting the devil. When I think about this in my life and in your life, I think that there are so many of us that are seeking freedom, but we're missing one of those two pieces. And I would say to you for from my heart to yours, perhaps the first step is to submit fully to God. Give him every piece of you. Give him control. Engage his words. Spend time in prayer. Start your own 21-day fast right now. Spend time with God that you've never given to him. Give up some things. Resist the devil. Let go of some relationships and some habits and just get out of there. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say it this way, and and perhaps this is a terrible analogy, but it just kind of sticks with me and it helps me and maybe it'll help you. If your struggle is cheating on tests, don't sit next to smart kids. You will not be tempted to cheat if you're sitting next to someone who's dumber than you are, right? I'm resisting the temptation. I'm putting myself in position where it's no longer something that's got a hold of me because I'm looking at it like, I don't know what number 17 is, but neither does he, so I'm not even gonna look over there. But if the smart person is right beside me, it's like, temptation's right there. If overeating is your struggle, you don't go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. You go somewhere where they charge you by the plate because every time you make a decision to ask for more, you know it's gonna cost you something. We've gotta make sure that we recognize and we're closely connected to the cost of our decisions. If if technology is something that you struggle with, the things that you're able to see and and access and, and the things that you can do, if that's a struggle for you, you need to put some guardrails in place. You need to give other people permission to hold you accountable to those things. You need to remove it from some of those places that you know, this is where I fall into temptation. You need to do other things that you can to put those guardrails in place. You need to submit to God and resist the devil to be able to find the kind of freedom that you're seeking in life. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I say to you today that the Spirit of the Lord is here, and there is freedom available to you right now. Right now. I don't know what it is you're seeking freedom from. I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're, you're asking God to do, but freedom's available to you right now. You don't have to hold on to it any longer. It doesn't have to be a struggle for you anymore. You can submit yourself wholly and completely to God, even if it's a little thing. Before it becomes a big thing, you just deal with it now. You address it now. And I believe that you'll find freedom and victory as you pursue more of Jesus Christ. So here's what I wanna do as we close. I wanna give you five quick things. I promise they're quick, but you can put them in your phone. You can jot them down in the margins of your Bible. Five quick things that I think will help you as you chase after freedom and the kind of revival that leads to this release in your life as you pursue the promises of God. Here's the first thing. Confess to God. Newsflash, he already knows. But he asks us to confess. He wants us to open our mouth and say, here's, here's my struggle, here's my issue. 
Here's the thing that I'm tethered to. Here's the thing that's holding me back as I try to chase after you and move into the promises that you have for me and the destiny and the purpose that you have for me. I am being held back by the things behind me. And so God, I confess now, I need freedom. I need victory. I need salvation. I need grace and mercy. I need the fruit of the spirit that is self-control in my life. And so God, would you help me right now? I confess my need for you. Here's the second step. It comes right on the heels of that. Experience the freedom and forgiveness that comes from God. Experience it. As soon as you ask for it, God gives it to you. And so you just embrace it and say, God, thank you. Hey, listen, I'm walking through some stuff. I'm struggling with some stuff. I've just prayed. I've confessed it. I'm, I'm living in. I'm resting in. I'm holding on to the freedom and forgiveness that comes from God. But I want you to know what I've been dealing with. And, and I want you to help me as I take this journey. The fourth thing is what I just talked about. You need to avoid the triggers. You need to make sure you stay away from the places and the people that always seem to precede that bad decision. That behavior, that addictive behavior, just you need to avoid the triggers, whatever they are. You know there are some things. And if you don't, when you're talking to somebody, you need to say, hey, will you help me identify the triggers in my life that lead me down this path? You need to avoid those things. It may be that you push back from relationships for a season or that relationship for a while or forever. Or you get rid of some other things in your life that you know, like it's just leading me towards destruction. It is not helping me draw closer in relationship to Jesus Christ. You need to avoid some triggers. And then the the fifth thing is this, you need to be accountable. You just told somebody, maybe it's that person, or maybe it's a counselor, or maybe it is your G group, or maybe it's a pastor on our team. You need to be accountable to someone to say, hey, this is what I've been wrestling with. This is what I've been struggling with. And I want you to call me every day at 12 o'clock or every Friday night at 11 o'clock or wherever it is that I have kind of found myself making these decisions. I want you to call me or text me. Would you do that for this season? Or can I have permission to call you or to text you or to come hang out with you in those moments where I feel weak? And you need to be accountable to someone. And when they ask you the hard questions, you don't try to fudge the truth. You just get all the sin out from underneath your tent. You just back the truck up and go, I got a bunch of stuff I need to unload right here and be accountable to somebody. I believe this process, which is not exhaustive, but this process is a piece of the way that God helps you to be delivered and to find freedom and to be released from those things that you're tethered to in your past as you chase toward the future that God has for you. As I was preparing this week, I ran across this in one of the resources that I use, and I just want to read it as I found it. I'm not paraphrasing it. This is what it says. It says, Jesus has paid the price for you on the cross. You've been redeemed and set free into the spacious and victorious life. He didn't sacrifice his life for you to remain bound to sin and defeat. Yes, there will be challenges and difficulties in life. That's a certainty. But we do not go through them as defeated soldiers, but as victors in Christ Jesus. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. You have the power today to find victory 
and to chase after all that God has for you in your future. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a second, I'm just gonna ask you just to kind of sit there. If you're watching online, just bow your head if you can. And let's just take a moment of reflection as we ask God to really help us to search our hearts and to really lean into what he may be speaking to us today and how we should respond. If you would say today, Jeremy, for me, I know my first step, my next step is to ask God to forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life. It's salvation that I need right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We wanna pray for you. If you're watching online, I encourage you to click that button that you're accepting Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Type that in the chat on Facebook or YouTube so that we can know how to respond and follow up with you to take these next steps. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around right now. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, I I need freedom. I need God to help me to find freedom in some area of my life. It's addiction, it's behavior, it's choices, it's relationships. I need God to help me to find freedom today. If that's you and you're in the room, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you're watching online, I encourage you, click on that link, go to the connect card, let us know so we can follow up, pray with you, help you get connected to somebody that can help you. God, I thank you today for the free gift of salvation. I thank you for those who've responded to acknowledge their need for you. And God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, forgive sins and change their eternity forever. God, we thank you for that. And so God, we celebrate now for those decisions that have been made. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted and those that feel this way but maybe didn't respond with a lifted hand. They need freedom. God, would you help today to be the day that it changes? Everything changes from this moment forward. Addictions are broken off. Relationships get healthier or they go away. God, would you help them to confess right now, to experience forgiveness and freedom, to talk to somebody, to avoid those triggers and to be accountable. But God, we believe that you set us free. It is for freedom that you set us free. So God, help us to experience that today. And God, we thank you for all that we will experience as we chase more of you when we are not tethered to our past, not held back by the bondage of the things that have tripped us up for so long. And so God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.